that's a growler. Hello again, and welcome to the Neverending Minute, where we analyze, scrutinize, and peeking eyes the movie The Neverending Story. I'm Thomas Howitt. And I'm Tierney Steele. Welcome back. Today we are talking about Minute 11 of The Neverending Story. It starts with Bastion climbing up onto a stepstool thingy outside a classroom door, and it ends with him sitting down on an old gym mat in the school's attic. So we have a lot going on in this minute. I had mentioned in the last minute... The little window in the door didn't bother me because while my schools were different, you know, that seemed a normal thing for a classroom door. But I do really love that because it is horizontal and so high, it sets up this great shot where bashing is the exact perfect height to sneak a look in the room. Right. And apparently this bashing, well, we've noticed it before, but this bashing is completely different than the literary bastion who is fat, unathletic, and short, and would not, and very cowardly, so would never be brave enough to stand on this stool in order to peer <laughs> into this window. And he's kind of like dangling out over the edge. Yeah, this is a very brave move. I like it. It also gives me a really good look at his outfit, and I am going nuts because his sneakers are definitely not the Nikes that Marty McFly, Back to the Future, and Elliot of E.T. wear. But they're similar enough that I keep thinking I should be able to recognize them. So this is the namesake for the episode here as he peers through this window. And he's got the white knuckles and everything as he's looking in. I can't believe no one in the classroom notices this face in the window. Well, it's such a small window, though. Yeah, but he's right in that thing. Yeah, but they're taking, as we find out, a math test. So... They're looking down at their at their papers. I feel like the only thing that would make me think like, oh, how did no one notice that? Is if he appeared suddenly in the window, because like you would see the change in color out yeah. the window out of the corner of your eye. But if he just slowly rises up, you maybe wouldn't even know that. And the teacher's walking away when we first see her. Right. And somehow he managed to hang on that door without making a single sound either. That's what the white knuckles are for. That is a (laughs) tiny ledge. This is like the original American Ninja Warrior thing. (laughs) Okay, so we get a first look into this classroom that we've heard heard about before. This is the teacher that's been calling his dad. The dreaded math class. Yes. And is it odd to you that they have a map of transit information in a math class? I've always had a lot. Again, I thought this was an elementary school originally when I was a little kid. And this would have been everything. Right. One class for everything. And- yeah. So I, it didn't read as weird to me then. And now I'm so used to it because I, I have to say when he does the math test, oh no. And he's peering through the door and you're seeing it through the door window. I think for me, this is the first definitive shot of this movie. This is the first shot where if I see that immediately, I'm like, that's a never-ending story. I get you there. And it's wonderful how he framed it so well where you can actually see the edges of this small window that he's peering into. So you Mm -hmm. have the perspective that you are outside of the door looking in. Everyone can relate to Bastion in this minute, not just Tyranny. (laughs) So we also see that there appears to be only one empty seat, which is most likely Bastion's (laughs) right up front 
right directly in front of the teacher. No wonder he got caught drawing in his book. Yes. And apparently that's probably exactly why he's there, because he draws all the time, he gets distracted. And we all know the best place to put those students is up in the front. The best seat is second row back, slightly to the left of the middle. Years of going to school taught me that one. Okay. Or I guess if you were in a bigger classroom, you know, you you don't want to be in the very front, but you want to be before the middle. I never had hearing problems or anything, so I tried to stay towards the back and out of the way of attention. Well, I'm left-handed, so actually when I got to college and we started getting... There were some in middle and high school because the desks vary in size depending on classroom and supplies and what you have. And as a lefty, that could backfire horribly. These are nice, big, rectangular desks. I would have had no problem. You can be whatever hand you prefer to write with in this classroom. Equal opportunity classroom. Yep. But yeah, when you get to college and you have those stupid little flip-up ones. Yes. Some work to kind of lean around and some do not. So I often ended up, I think that's why I said to the left of the middle, because if I'm going to end up on an end, it's going to be because I need the lefty desk. <laughs> All right. So as as we move away from that shot, we go back mm-hmm. to where he's going to climb the stairs. And if you look carefully at the <sighs> pictures above the door, yeah, two of them are of the same thing. I just don't know what that thing is. <laughs> I don't know. I was very distracted as he's running up the stairs away from the classroom because are there no hall monitors in this school? How is no Apparently one noticing him tearing through the hallways? Um, I, I love that he just immediately runs away. Like, math test. Oh, no. Smash cuts are running away. Yes. His life of crime continues. No math for you. <laughs> um, We're going to add truancy to, yeah, to thievery. There you go. Well, we are definitely about to add truancy to thievery. But I... The artwork, I've said it before, it reads younger. It's very weird. It makes sense, actually, though, that multiple pictures would be of the same thing, because that would be a classroom assignment. I could see Everyone that. draw this or make this, and then you put the different ones on display. But I did not work out what any of them were. Okay. They just read as generic. Although I did make out the picture that is next to the lockbox with the attic key in it. With all the trickies? Why is there a picture of hundreds of turkeys? (laughs) I have no idea. It's probably one of those motivational posters that says, like, stay in class, don't be a turkey, or something like that. But it doesn't have the black frame around it. (laughs) There's no text that I can see. And it's about the same size as the artwork, but I think it's the only photo. It's definitely the only photo that I could make out as anything. Right. And I guess because I live in Boston and we actually have turkeys in town wild turkeys that wander around and they're mean (laughs) they're scary i have actually been chased by a turkey and it was terrifying and all i could think as i was running is this can't be how i die so now (laughs) Cherny's gonna have a, a nightmare about a million turkeys attacking her at once oh man there's strength in numbers um so i'm going to Turn away from the terrifying turkey picture with no context whatsoever. Yes. And look at this really cool broken lockbox with a key in it. And I do love in the book he mentions he had been helping the janitor with something. And that's why he knows where the key is. Right. But in this, he just knows that it's broken. It feels like he's done this before. Possibly a lot. And Bastion's a bad kid. Who knew? 
something tells me that Wolfgang Peterson wrote this note on the on the the key box itself, the attic. That wasn't there before. Somebody wrote that in with a pen just right before the shot. <laughs> well, <laughs> but, yeah. So yeah, he knows about this key, and I wonder how many other kids do as well. Well, all the bad kids hiding in the attic. But I do have a note on along that same note. As we scrub forward and he goes into the attic, mm-hmm. we'll come back to him opening and shutting the door here in a second. But it looks like it's his very first time in there. He's exploring the space with his eyes, trying to figure out what's going on in there. So I'm a little confused about, you know, him knowing where the key was there and having never actually been in the room before. Well, I think that is part of the adaptation of the movie. Like, I think that is for our benefit. Because in the book, it clearly says he's only been there once before, but he's been in there before. And we get this really great description of the room and what's in it. Yes. And then, you know, he sees the mat and pulls it out. I think this is giving the audience a chance to have that moment instead of reading the description. It gives us a chance to look around. And, you know, if we assume that, all right, fine, he only just embarked on this life of crime. Maybe he's hidden out there once or twice, or he heard someone talking about the key. I don't buy it for a second. I think he does this all the time. But (laughs) giving him the benefit of the doubt, he'd want to take a minute. Like, maybe he's been in there, but never alone, which is what it is in the book. Um, Maybe he has been in there, but he... Uh, maybe things have moved. Maybe he's been in there and there used to be like a desk in there he could sit at and now it's gone. And he's oh, like, Oh, where am I going to sit? He has to I don't know. Around, it doesn't look something. like, it doesn't look like anything in there has moved in quite some time. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. To <laughs> I'm shooting out. you down. Tierney. I'm shooting you down. Here. And it's so sad because I love him so much in the moment before he goes up to the attic. Oh yeah. It's yes. so unproblematic. It's great. He leaves the key in the lock when he closes it. So he opens the door again to get it. And Barrett Oliver is such a good actor in this minute because he does this little look around to make sure no one's seeing him. It's yep. so great. Yeah, it's very natural. It's exactly oh. what you would have done as a child if you were trying to stay sneaky and thinking you were smarter than anybody else that could be around. It's so great. I really do love it. So let's get back. Actually, God, but even before we started doing this minute, I have a note. This attic is controversial. Because I've seen so many things where people are like, that's not a school attic. What is this room? And look, I was never in the attic of my middle school. For all I know, this is what they look like, okay? Back up off the production design. It's a cool room. (laughs) (laughs) This is actually really similar to our drama department's attic in high school, like where they kept all the old sets. and. It reminds me of the prop room so much. Exactly. And I okay. try not to be biased because I'm a stage manager and was the only student who had a key to the prop room. Humble brag. All right, I'm done now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so intro to the attic. We're going to be in here for quite a while. We'll come back to it several times. Some key things of note. We have bells that are kind of jingling as, as he walks in and looks are around. Bells, though? They're, they're clinking. I have the question, what are those clinking things? They look like bells or a wind chime of some sort. Sound like it, though. Like, all right, all right. like maybe they're just dirty and they aren't playing quite right. But my other note about this kind of ties us back to some stuff we were talking about in the very first few minutes where we had the cues of a dog barking and some other um, visual cues for stuff that might be in the book later on. We have those same things in this attic here. We have a clear wolf 
that's mm-hmm. going to translate later into, you know, a very well-known character to most people and gave many a nightmare, I'm sure. Um, and in the book, it's even more explicit. There's all kinds of stuff in the room that directly relates to what he's seeing and doing in Fantasia. Mm-hmm. So you wonder, you know, how meta is it? Is the book causing the world or is the world causing the book? <laughs> and there's a skeleton, so who's going to die? Oh, everybody. <laughs> I just, I really do love this room. It's so old and dusty and great, and it's got that, like, upper part. Not yes. quite a mezzanine. I can't remember. Uh, whatever. I can't think of the word I'm thinking of. But I do think if people say, oh, why would this be school? We see some desks, so we do see some school things. We see the skeleton form. And my other thought was... To me, I mentioned in an earlier minute that I always just kind of immediately assumed this was in New York City. A, because it's an 80s kids movie. They were all in New York City in my (laughs) defense. I also lived outside New York City, so it even more felt like, yes, everything is set there, of course. But I also know a lot of inner city schools are in older buildings that used to be like giant mansions that were converted into the school. So for me, this attic really works because even though what we just saw downstairs was very typical linoleum, lockers, the whole nine yards, and, and I mean, that staircase is perfect. Like, that just is a school. Yes. But this attic could totally be a school in an older... We didn't see the outside of the building. This could be an older building that was converted. Right. So I really love this room, and I really love this piano note that is repeating making the music i don't remember it in thinking back to my childhood i don't remember this room being quite this dusty (laughs) and dirty i always read it as but like especially the mat that he sits on and Mm -hmm. and the blanket i could have sworn it's disgusting (laughs) right i could have sworn the blanket had been folded up somewhere but no he drags it off over right away with with the bile of mats yeah and so um those are like the old the foam mats, right? Yeah, the fold Jim? out for Jim, yep. Yep. Although, so these don't even have the fold. This is pre-fold. Yeah, I think They're you're right. They're just the big flat ones that stack up. Oh, man. They have, like, such a particular smell. And there's always part of it that's, like, gouged out and broken so you can see where the foam is. <laughs> oh, so good. That's what happens in this minute. He pulls the gym mat out, and he sits down, Indian-style, cross-legged, whatever you call it, to read. And so if you have more notes on this minute, I would love to talk about them. But I want to make sure that we talk about our favorite reading feelings. Oh. When, before you open the book, when you're settled, though, and you make your little nest. I have no more notes, but I definitely know the feeling you're talking about. When you've got a new book and you may have read the back spine or maybe the first little insert, so you kind of know what's coming. And you're waiting to get introduced to these characters. You're finding the most comfortable position you can sit in. If you're lucky enough to have a wingback chair, that's where you're sitting <laughs> with your legs crooked over one side. But yes, there's there's that wonderful anticipation before you open the first page. Would you like to have an excerpt from the NeverEnding Story book? I would love to. Bastian Balthasar, Books's Passion Was Books. If you have never spent whole afternoons with burning ears and rumpled hair, forgetting the world around you over a book, forgetting cold and hunger, if you have never read secretly under the bedclothes of the flashlight because your father or mother or some other well-meaning person has switched off the lamp on the plausible ground that it was time to sleep because you had to get up so early, 
If you have never wept bitter tears because a wonderful story has come to an end and you must take your leave of the characters with whom you have shared so many adventures, whom you have loved and admired, for whom you have hoped and feared, and without whose company life seems empty and meaningless. If such things have not been part of your own experience, you probably won't understand. So that's Fashion's thoughts on reading. And the reading under the pulling the blanket up over you so that your parents can't see the flashlight. Yes. I was, I, I had a hard childhood because my bedroom had French doors, which have the glass in them. Right. And they had a curtain over it, but you could still see the light really easily. <laughs> so I got caught out all the time. <laughs> oh, goodness. I have some notes about positions he takes later, but I'll save those for those minutes. Okay. I will say one of my favorites is, I don't know if you've ever seen The History Boys. I have not. Okay. It's a, well, it was a play, and then they made a 2006 movie, and it stars Richard Griffiths, who obviously gives line readings better than me. <laughs> but in it, he talks with a student. He has a student read an older poem and asks him, you know, can you, can you see what the guy is trying to say? Can you see what he's getting across? And the student says, yes, I felt that a bit. And I'm going to butcher it. And I'm sorry that I'm just reading so much this minute. It's okay. Hector, Richard Griffith's character in the History Boy says, the best moments in reading are when you come across something, a thought, a feeling, a way of looking at things, which you would thought special and particular to you. And now here it is, set down by someone else, a person you have never met, maybe someone even who is long dead, and it is as if a hand has come out and taken yours. And that's my favorite when you're reading. <laughs> and all of a sudden, like, as as I read with the school, all of a sudden you just know exactly what they're talking about. Yeah, so if I were to describe my favorite reading feeling, it's <laughs> when you're reading and all of a sudden the words honestly disappear. You don't see the book anymore. You're thinking about the story and the words aren't in front of you anymore. It's all just playing in your head. I love when I get that lost in a book. <laughs> I like that too. <laughs> all right. So Bastion's settling down now and man, does he have a story for us to read? <laughs> I, I don't want to close this out. I just love this moment <laughs> so much. It's such a good anticipatory moment, I guess is the word, but I guess. You and we will have to come back tomorrow. But that's another story. And it will be told another time. Wow, something is really different. I'm, I'm keeping your bones.